awesome. You may have a seat. Feel like we already been to church today. Man, let's pray and go home. That's great. Hey, um, so we do this about once or twice a year. And uh, it's question and answer Sunday. And when I tell you I have not seen the questions, I haven't seen the questions. I have no idea what's about to happen. Um, but the reason we do this is a couple reasons. Number one, I think the church should be a safe place to ask questions. Because um, some of us grew up in an environment where you don't ask questions at church. You don't ask questions about God or Jesus or anything. And the reason people tell us not to ask questions is not because God is scared of questions. It's because they're scared of questions. So I, I, I just want this to be an environment where you got questions, you can ask questions. Um, the second reason we do it is because I really want to talk about what's on your mind, what's on your heart. And I want to do my best to, to show everyone in the room and everybody watching online that Scripture really does interact with the questions that we have in everyday life. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my absolute best to try to tie every answer in to a Scripture. And if I can't, I'll just, I'll just John 3.16 it, and we'll just kind of keep going because that's, it works, right? So, so with all that said, I, I have no idea what's about to happen, but I'll promise you this. It's, we've never, no, one of these has never been boring, ever, ever, ever. If you get bored, it's your fault, all right? Here we go. First question, let's start off. Let's see what we got. What does emphasis mind mean in your devotion? Okay, this is. <laughs> it means I'm putting the emphasis on it. When I put out all caps, because if, if I'm typing out a devotional, I can't bold it or I can't put it in italics or I can't like, put the highlight over it. So when I say emphasis mine, it means um, that that is not the way it's written in scripture. I, I capped it. And so emphasis mine means that I'm putting the emphasis on it. <laughs> if you don't get the devotional, you have no idea. What we are totally speaking insider language, all right? This is like the secret menu at In-N-Out Burger. All right, <laughs> next, let's go, let's go. Can the devil... Make us physically sick. Is his only power over us our thoughts and behaviors? Hmm. Okay. This, this is going to take a bit of setup. One of the things that we get wrong, and I say we because I got it wrong for years, is, is we think there's this, first of all, there is a war going on, a spiritual war, but we think that, the God, that God and the devil are equals, and they're not. God is all-knowing, he's all-present, all and he's all-powerful. God, God is everywhere. Satan can only be in one place at one time. So for example, if he were in Belton, which I have no idea why he would go to Belton, but let's just say he's in Belton, then he can't be at, in Star, all right? He, so he can't be there and vice versa, where God can be in both. So, so the devil has, now with all that being said, the devil does have incredible power. Jesus said, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That is his mission in life. And so 
While the devil can only be in one place at one time, he does have demonic spirits that can be like they're literally all over the globe. And if you don't, if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, then just go home and watch the news for an hour. This is, it's all a big humongous spiritual war. So back to the question, can the devil make us physically sick? Well, yes, of course he can. There's a story in at least two of the gospels, maybe three, of a, of a demon-possessed man. Jesus tells the disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake, which by the way, Jews didn't go to that side of the lake. So Jesus saying, let's go to the other side of the lake is him telling people the gospel isn't just for the Jewish people, it's for the Gentiles too. And when he gets there, there's a man that is possessed by demons that runs and meets him. Do you remember this story? And he's screaming and, he's, and he's, been, he's been cutting himself. That's why when people go, oh my gosh, teenagers are cutting themselves. This is brand new. No, it happened 2,000 years ago. He was cutting himself. This guy was physically sick and tormented by demons. And remember, Jesus cast the demons into pigs and they ran down the hill and drowned. So yes, he can. He can make us sick. But the better question, the better question isn't, can the devil make us physically sick? The better question is, um, is, well, let me just say this. The devil can make us physically sick, but our obsession should not be on the enemy making us sick, but on Jesus making us well. That's... Because if we get obsessed with this question right here, if we get obsessed, and it's a good question, by the way, but if we get obsessed with it, then we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is a healer. And how would we know that he's a healer if we weren't in situations sometimes where we needed a healer? All right, good. Next question. Let's go. Let's go. If your kids hate going to church, do you know? Hold on. Do you let them decide for themselves to go or not? Or do you make them go? And at what point? Do you let them decide for themselves, if at all? Now, there are different opinions on this, but I'm going to give you the correct one. (laughs) Um, First of all, I was a kid that hated going to church. How many of you, that's your story? You were a kid and you hated going to church. But as you look back, you see the good in it, don't you? You see the good in it. In fact, one of the reasons I enjoy church so much today is I made myself a promise that I would never pastor a church that I hated. And so at the end of the day, I really do love this place. Now, when it comes to your kids, um, this is is probably why I'll never write a parenting book because nobody would buy this. Um, If you live in my house, You will abide by my rules. That's not your room. I'm letting you borrow that room. You didn't pay for it. You don't pay for the heat. You don't, that's not your food in the refrigerator. That's my food. I'm letting you eat it. You're welcome. And by the way, by the way, parents, one of the things we're called to do as parents is lead. And sometimes as leaders, we have to lead people to do things they don't want to do and 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 this is the question i always engage with like if your kids if your kids hate church i think it's an incredible opportunity 
to open up a dialogue and say, why do you hate church? And what do you think would make church better? Get them to talk back and give you feedback. But at the end of the day, if a kid is under your house, under, under your roof, and you pay the bills, my rules, my house. I said that wrong. Shannon's rules, Shannon's house. <laughs> Next question. I've been having a lot of anxiety, mostly because I have little kids. I worry about what will happen to them. Will they go to heaven to, is there an age of accountability? Okay, let's break this down in three parts. I've been having a lot of anxiety about Jesus coming back. Pause. You don't need to. Because heaven is so much better Amen. than anything we could even imagine. I understand this, though. I understand this because if you got kids um, and you worry about them, will they go to heaven too? Is there an age of accountability? There is not a phrase in the scripture that says age of accountability. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist because, let me blow some of your minds, the word Trinity doesn't appear anywhere in the scripture. But we know it's real, right? Some of you are like, it does too. Find it. It doesn't appear. That word. So coming back to the age of accountability, this is what I know about Jesus. When, when they were trying to bring children to Jesus and the disciples were rebuking them, Jesus said, no, 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 no. Let the little, little children come to me and do not hinder them. That right there shows me that Jesus really does have a heart for children, that Jesus wants to bless children, that Jesus is incredibly passionate about kids and, and children's ministry, even in churches. And so I, I believe with all my heart that Jesus knows at what age we understand and are able to make that decision. Now, for me, this is an open-handed issue. So after the service, if you're like, you got it, if, like if you're a fighter and you want to fight about this, um, after the service, go stand in the parking lot in the rain, and I'll be with you in five minutes. <laughs> but I promise you, I promise you, especially you got little kids, that, that God knows more about their hearts and their minds than, than we do. And I'm absolutely convinced that, that, listen, you love your children, but God loved that child before you did. And God wants better things for that child than you do. And at the end of the day, we've got to trust that, even though it's so hard sometimes. Amen? Y'all asking some deep stuff today. Holy cow, I was kind of hoping to catch a break. What's the next one? Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. This is how you know I I mean, do I have to be honest with this one? I'm just kind of, because some of y'all are like, no, um, uh. I'm just going to say the first song that popped in mind. Um, hands down, American Badass by Kid Rock. That, that would be my, my walk-in song. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, hey, I promised y'all I'd always keep it real. I promised y'all I'd always keep it real, right? Whew, is it getting hot in here? Next, next question, next question. Um, is it possible 
to rebuild trust. Okay, so there's a lady that answered yes, so I'm going to say, I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely, it's possible. It is, it is absolutely possible. It just, it just depends on the people involved. First of all, did the person that had the emotional fear, are they, are they sorry? Are they repentant? Do, do they understand that it was not the right thing to do? And did the person that was cheated on, do they understand the whole love and grace and forgiveness thing? Because if you get two people that can understand that, then reconciliation is 100% possible. Yes, absolutely. It, now, it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's easy. But, but you show me you show me a marriage that is strong, and I'll show you a couple that has been through some stuff. It might be this. It might be, it might have been a physical, it, it might be something else. But you show me a strong couple, and I will show you a couple that figured out how to make it through any storm this life threw at them. Because at the end of the day, hey, at the end of the day, we're married to somebody that makes dumb decisions and they're married to somebody that makes dumb decisions. And we got, as long as we're willing to own those and then truly forgive and then truly repent, like change our minds, like that's, that's the wrong thing to do. I had somebody one time try to tell me, I was a dude, you know, emotional affair, it's not really an affair, it's not really an affair. And I'm like, well, Jesus said this thing in Matthew 5, this whole Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you look at a woman lustfully, like you, you look at her lustfully, you're committing adultery with her in your heart. So yeah, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Is it tense in here or is it just me? Okay, hopefully. Okay, next. My family is of alternative nature. I'm guessing, did y'all clean that up or did, is that the way the question came in? The reason I'm asking is because what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm seeing in this question is somebody asking, is my family, what I'm seeing in this question is, I'm gay, can I be baptized? Is that what y'all are seeing or am I missing it? Okay, well, somebody asked me that one time. In fact, somebody asked me that recently. Would you baptize a person that is openly gay? Let's see how we can make as many people as possible mad. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is because I was at a, I was at a pastor's conference years ago I haven't been asked back to this conference. <laughs> and I was in a Q&A, and they asked me, would you baptize a gay person in your church? And I baited them. I said, it depends. They're like, what does it depend on? I said, did they just pray to receive Christ? And they said, yeah, yeah, they just prayed to receive Christ. And I said, well, of course I would baptize them. That's their next step. 
and the guy was being, he, he was being mean towards me, right? He's like, you can't do that. Why can't I do that? They're still gay. So I might have been a little mean, <laughs> but this guy was about 100 to 150 pounds overweight. I said, well, if you're going to go by that standard, sir, I couldn't baptize you. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, you obviously have a lack of self-control, and you're obese, and I couldn't baptize you until you stop being obese. He said, no, it's different. I said, no, 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 no. No. Now, let me, let me say, first of all, I am in 100% agreement with the Bible I believe man and, and woman, I believe marriage is between a man and woman. I believe the Bible calls homosexuality a sin, so that's what the church has to call it. I don't back off from that at all, and I don't try to whitewash it, and I don't try to clean it up. However, homosexuality is listed in this list in 1 Corinthians 6. Let me see. Um, do you not realize, 1 Corinthians 6, verse uh, 9 says, do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is where people get the, the homosexual reference from. But let me just read you some of the other stuff that's in this list because it's kind of interesting. Um, those who indulge in sexual sin, so if you, if you look at porn, we can't baptize you. Are those who worship idols, that would be the people that you're gonna break your neck to get to a Clemson or Carolina game, if, even if it's raining, but church is an option. Or commit adultery, we covered that. Or are male prostitutes, I'm pretty sure we don't have any in this room. <laughs> mm. Or practice homosexuality. Or are thieves, so if you don't tithe, you're stealing from God, so technically we couldn't baptize you. We good? <laughs> or greedy people. Or drunkards, <laughs> well, I'm screwed. Um, it's right here in the Bible. It's just right here. Or, 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 this is what it says next, are abusive. Let's go and look at your Facebook comments. See, the reason we pick out certain things out of this passage, we always pick on the sin that we don't commit. But I'm telling you, if, you'll sp if we will spend more time look using this book as a mirror to look into our lives rather than a window to look through to judge others, we'll make a difference. Because I've had people say, well, if you, if you baptize somebody that's gay, you're affirming their lifestyle. No. Baptism is, I just prayed to receive Jesus. And you know what? There are people in this room, we pray to receive Jesus, and we may struggle with something for the rest of our life. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't live in us. In fact, the fact that we struggle with it is an indication that Jesus lives in us. Amen. So, if you pray to receive Christ, you're getting dunked here. You are getting dunked. We will dunk you. Next question. Whew. With a church this size, what missions, local or foreign, does our church support? There are needs I feel we could meet. Let me, let me just pause. 
because I don't know who this, asked this question, I can say this with 100% just, I feel so good about it. Um, if God has put a need or a burden on your heart, that's your need, that's your burden, and God has called you to do something about it, not tell the church so we can do something about it. Your, your burden is not my passion. The very first thing that we do for, for missions is we do it 52 times a year. It's called church. This is the best thing that we can do for local missions, to create an environment where people can experience the presence of Jesus every single week. The best thing that we can do for your children is create an environment where they become children that when they grow up, they don't hate church. They love church because they had an experience with Jesus in a clean, safe, and fun environment. The best thing that we can do for your students is provide the ministry we provide for students on Wednesday nights so they can, and, and let, let me tell you something. When you start seeing people grow closer to Jesus in the community, if somebody is here in their walk with Jesus and let's say this, this stool right here represents Jesus and they go from here to here in a year and you get about 2,000 people taking that kind of step, it changes the temperature of the community. People get more generous. People become more godly. Schools become better. Homes become better. Marriages become stronger. That's what missions is all about. Now, when it comes, when it comes, to, when it comes to like local missions and foreign missions, we give money to certain organizations. Where we've partnered with some organizations in Israel. We help with some church planting efforts. We do all that. But, but the number one thing we do in regards to missions is we're trying to create the best environment here possible because I know churches that will give thousands of dollars to organizations all over the world and miss the mission opportunities in their own backyard. I'll tell you something we are doing right now. Every week, every week, we, we've, got a, we've got a bus that we rent. And right now, during this service, right now, they're out picking up students to come to church to the next service because, because they don't have a ride. And they're middle school and high school students. And we do that every week. And somebody asked me recently, why don't we just buy a bus? And this is my answer. Why don't you just write the check? I felt good about that. That felt good. That felt good. Next question. Uh, Ryan Capelli. I, I really do love our band. Um, man, I don't know. I, God, I don't know. I don't know. I love Brandon Lake. Um, I, got, I got like hair envy uh, of Brandon Lake. I, I like, um, I like anything, anything Elevation does. It feels like every time they sneeze, it turns into a hit song. It's just like they just keep, let me, let me just say this though. Let me just say this. Um, I was telling somebody this. You know why Elevation's music is so good right now? And I've, noted, I've just noticed this from the minute. Um, I was listening to Elevation Worship before anybody was listening to Elevation Worship. You go back and listen to every one of their songs and every single song that they've ever written is rooted in scripture. It's rooted in God's word. It's so good. It's so strong. I trust in God. That, that's out of the song. Like every, okay, I'm, not, I'm trying not to become a commercial for Elevation because I don't get any like kickback on that. Pastor Stephen, if you're watching, hook a boy up. I'm just saying because he's not watching. All right, next, next question. 
if Jews, oh, this is going to be so good. If Jews do not believe in the New Testament or Jesus, will they still be rewarded with eternal life? If yes, how does that work? Well, the, like the, the how does that work, I'm not 100% sure. But as I read the book of Revelation, they make it somehow. At least 144,000. And most of the theologians that I've read say that 144,000 will reach the entire nation of Israel. Here's the thing about... When I, was in, when I was in Israel and I met my friend Arie, I sat in an old Scottish church for two hours one night and he did a Bible study on the hidden face of God. And let me see if I can find this. Let me see if I can find this because this is Exodus 32. I think it's Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Hold on, hold on. I've got it marked. You, you, you know how you got a Bible marked and you've got your Bible app marked on your phone? These are just for the Bible nerds in the room. Um, hold on. Exodus, 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 Exodus 32. That's the golden calf. That's the, oh, there it is. Who did it? Oh, that's a bad song. Anyway, so Exodus 32. Exodus 32, verse 34. So this is God telling the nation of Israel. This is after the whole thing with the golden calf thing that Aaron, man, talk about somebody that messed it up. God said in Exodus 32, verse 33, now go lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. In other words, God said, I'm not going to lead you. My angel's going to lead you. And so an angel led the children of Israel into the promised land. And when they got there, there's this prophet named Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah goes into the temple and uh, has this encounter with God. And God says, who, whom shall I send? Who will go? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And God said, uh, let me find this, Isaiah chapter 6. And he said, yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and, and, shut, and shut their eyes. In other words, God told Isaiah, you're going to preach to a bunch of people with closed eyes, closed ears, and closed hearts. And by the way, if we're not careful, we can become those people with closed eyes, closed ears, and closed hearts to the work that God wants to do in us. And so Jesus shows up and they can't see him. They can't see him. And because they can't see him, we as Gentiles are allowed to see Jesus. It's, and it's so obvious to us in the New Testament. For example, in Ezekiel chapter 10, stay with me for just a second. I'll tie it in. In Ezekiel chapter 10, the glory of God leaves the temple. And, it, and the glory of God is gone. But in, in Ezekiel chapter 40, 41, 42, somewhere in that ballpark. God says that one day the glory of God will return to the temple. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born, and on the eighth day when he is to be dedicated, Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph take Jesus to where? The temple. That's the glory of God 
returning to the temple and they couldn't see it because it didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. And so because their hearts have been hardened, we're allowed to see. This is what I know about God. If God said that they are his people, then God's got that worked out. And that's what I love. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to God, but the things that we know belong to us. So the honest answer to this question is, I don't really know, but I think God's got it figured out. Hope that helps. Hope the next one is easier. Let's go. Next question. If a person is married and chooses to watch porn, is it considered cheating? <laughs> um, Yes, yes. I always tell every husband, because it's you, I've never had a lady ask me this. Thank God, that'd be awkward. Um, ask, ask your wife if she thinks it's cheating, because she's going to tell you yes, unless she's weird. No, there's some weird ones. And uh, at what point would you consider it an addiction? This is what I've learned. If you're asking that question, you're addicted. You are addicted. If you're asking that question, you're addicted. Next question. <laughs> Me. It's going to be a video campus. It's going to be a video. It'll be me. Here, here's, here's the philosophy in, in starting churches. There's church planting and they're starting new campuses. Church planting is when you find somebody, you send them out, and they start a church, and they're doing the preaching and the worship and everything, and then you got video campuses, which you go, and everything is live except the message, and it's gonna be broadcast from Anderson. There's not a right or a wrong way to do it. There's not a better or worse way to do it. It's just the vision that God has given us and the way that God has called us to do it is through video campuses, and um, I've had a little bit of experience with that, and I know it works. So, anyway. Next question. Terrible people exist here on earth. Really terrible people. Okay, we got somebody that's a little pissed today, but that's okay. I'm glad you're here. Yet, if they turn their life around, even at the last minute, all forgiven, even entry to heaven, absolutely. Thief on the cross. Thief on the cross. This dude, to get crucified in Rome, you had to be the worst of the worst. And this guy makes it in. I heard a preacher the other day. It was hysterical. He was like, can you see all the religious experts in heaven looking at the thief on the cross going, how'd you get here? I don't know. Did, did, did you get baptized? Nope. Were you in a Bible study? Do you understand theological words? Nope. How did you get here? The man in the middle. He just told me I could come. And that's why I'm here. By the way, for me, and this is just for me, I don't know who asked this question. This is why this is so freeing. Um, I understand that at the end of the day, terrible people are the only people that Jesus saves. And if we're honest, we're all kind of terrible. In fact, I was reading the other day that the 
that the Bible says that Jesus endured hardship from wicked and sinful men. And I started thinking, the only people that resisted Jesus were the Pharisees. And the Bible called them wicked and sinful. At the end of the day, we're all, were it not for the grace of God, we would be the very people we condemn. Amen. Can't you look back in your life and see, had, had Jesus not intervened and taken you down a different path, you wouldn't be here today. I'm talking about on the planet. Were it not for the grace of God. I'm so thankful that Jesus loves terrible people. But, but because if he didn't love terrible people, he couldn't love me. All right, let's keep, whew, let's keep going. Feeling good. How can I serve if my spouse is not willing to be on board? Serve. Be an example. Just be an example. Just keep showing up. Be an example. Just keep showing up. Listen, there are, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know for a fact there are couples in this church serving together because one started and the other one was like, okay, fine. And now they're like, I love this place. <laughs> so just be an example. Don't, don't be a nag. Be an example. All right, let's go. Next one. Hold on, we get a drink of water. <laughs> Man, I hope the next one. Wow, this is like, ooh. <sighs> All right, let's see if we can. So if we haven't pissed you off yet, <clears throat> we're about to get it done. Um, our executive pastor is a woman. And I don't have a problem with it. She is wonderful. She's amazing. Different people have different opinions on this. Um, a lot of people, let me just simplify it. A lot of people like to quote the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians where women should have a covering on their head. I do not permit a woman to speak. A woman should. Let me tell you why Paul was saying this. Now, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but this was actually happening in a city called Corinth 2,000 years ago. Women were dressing up as men, and men were dressing up as women. They were trying to identify as the opposite sex. Isn't that crazy? 2,000 years. Aren't you glad we came so far in 2,000 years? And so when Paul was writing that, he was addressing a cultural issue. Because at the end of the day, if women can't preach the gospel and lead in church, then somebody please explain to me the Samaritan woman. John chapter 4. The woman who had seven husbands, six, and she was shacking up with a guy. Go, go do the research. She's the first person Jesus ever commissioned Go tell people about me. And she went and told the village, and the entire village came to Christ. And as I often say around here, if it wouldn't have been for the women, we would not have known that Jesus was alive because the women were the only ones that were brave enough to go to the tomb. 
I believe God puts a calling on your life and it doesn't matter what you pee out of. That'll be on the internet somewhere. <laughs> Next question. No. Mm. That's a fun one. That's, that's called a water break question. That's called a water break. Getting a water break. All right. Next question. What do you do when addiction has been a part of your life so long and you're trying to recover, taking most of the right steps, but you feel like you don't know how to be normal anymore. Um, first of all, I, I can just speak from, from my experience. You can't let other people define normal for you if they've never gone through what you've went through. And so, as someone who has battled with addiction for my life, I mean... First of all, I see a lot of hope in this question because you're, you're trying to recover and you're taking most of the right steps, but you feel like you don't know how to be normal anymore. At the end of the day, you've got, you, you got to be really careful about who you let identify normal for you and just keep taking another step forward. If you fall down, take another step. Was it Proverbs 24, 16? It says, even though the righteous fall seven times, they get back up. Not the unrighteous. The Bible says, even though the righteous fall seven times, they get back up. So at the end of the day, normal, normal for some people is just making it through another day being clean. And normal for some people is celebrating another year being clean. Normal, normal, normal is not what other people say it is. It's what Christ calls us to be and who he calls us to be. That's what's normal, all right? We're gonna do three more questions. We're gonna do three more. We're gonna do three more. And then, hadn't this gone by fast? Yeah, this has been fun. All right, um, let's do three more. So if Adam and Eve only had Cain, Abel and Seth, how did the population grow? Did Eve have children no, oh my God. It was, it was the aliens. <laughs> Two options. Two options. Option A and option B. Option A is God created other people that we don't know about. I don't believe that, but some people, this is an open-handed thing. Option B is Adam and Eve had other children and they, they married, it's kind of like a Kentucky thing until the population <laughs> grew. It's always been a question of mine. If somebody gets married in Kentucky and they move to Indiana and they get a divorce, are they still brother and sister? I, I've, never, I've never been able to, I've wrestled with that one. <laughs> two more, two more. So here's what's funny. I had never heard of this until about a year and a half ago. Remember how last week I told you I love conspiracy theories? So I found this guy, and I'm not gonna call his name because I don't want y'all going to look him up. 
because I don't know if he's real or not. But I've, I've listened to some of his stuff, and he's, he made a really strong case. Once again, open-handed issues for me because I, I don't believe in aliens. I, I don't. I'm sorry. Um, but they could be. This, this guy made a compelling case that a demon's primary role is to deceive believers. One of the, one of the primary things that a demon wants to do is to, to deceive us. Let me give you some examples. Um, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not godly enough. None of those thoughts come from God. They all come from the, you're always going to be this way. You're always going to struggle with this. You're never going to get over this. You're, you're, you're always going to be like this. All those thoughts come from demonic spirits because he's trying his best to deceive us, correct? And so it would make sense that he would want us to believe because listen, I know some people that are so obsessed with things like with aliens that I'm just like, oh my gosh, if you would study your Bible as much as you study about aliens, you could walk on water next week. <laughs> so this, this is my answer. Huh. Could be. Could be. Great question. And I think we got one more and we're going to land the plane. One more. With all that happened, why did you choose to start another church? Well, if you'll give me a minute, I would love to answer that one. I didn't want to. I started a business. And I don't mind sharing this now. Uh, the first year that I had that business, the business made about a half a million dollars. Not profit, I had expenses to pay, okay? And it was a for-profit business. You know what I've discovered with a for-profit business? Nobody cares how much money you make. Nobody. If you've got a for-profit business. And part of my job was to go around and work with churches. Because I thought, listen, I thought that I wasn't qualified, I wasn't called, there was no way I could, I could do this again. But God has this way of messing with you. And if he's ever messed with you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I knew a couple things. Number one, I wasn't going to leave Anderson, South Carolina until my daughter graduated high school because I wasn't going to be a father that ran from my little girl. She was going to grow up and she was going to at least, I was going to be around and as involved in her life as much as possible. So I tell her as often as I can, you're one of the main reasons this church is here because I wasn't going to leave Anderson. But the second thing is there's nothing like the power in a local church when it's working right. When lost people are getting found, found people are getting 
grown up and they're excluded or getting included. God's getting the glory for it all. So God kept pressing in on me and I kept saying, okay, God, I'll start it online, but nobody will watch. Okay, God, we'll start down here at this little, now it's the liquor store. We'll start down here, but nobody will show up. Okay, God, we'll try to get this building, but we won't be able to raise the money for it. And every step of the way, God has just stretched me and stretched me and stretched me. So why did I choose to start another church? I didn't. I didn't choose this. God would not leave me alone. And he helped me understand something. And I hope somebody in this room understands this for yourself. They can't cancel me because they didn't call me. And nobody can cancel. Nobody can cancel the calling that God has put on your life. So let me transition into this for a second. God wouldn't leave me alone. What is it that he won't leave you alone about? Because there's some people in this room, I'll bet you, if you've been attending this church for more than a Sunday or two, God's been speaking to you. God's been stirring in your heart. You need to pray to receive Christ. You need to take your next step. You need to be baptized. You, you need to forgive someone. You need, you need to reconcile. You, there's, there's a next step that you need to take and take it from somebody that, that followed Jesus kicking and screaming the entire way. Kicking and screaming the entire way. There's nothing better than seeing Jesus have his way in our lives. So Jesus, right now, I just want to ask you, all over this room, God, that you would just speak to hearts and speak to lives. God, that you would help us to understand that there is no greater plan than your plans, that your ways and your thoughts are higher and greater. God, I just ask that you would have your way as we get ready for this invitation. Jesus, that you would be so powerful and so strong in this room that we would sense and feel your presence all around. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just, right where you stand, just pray, if you're, if, if you will, just pray this prayer, Jesus, mess with me. Jesus, mess with me. Jesus, show me what my next step is. Jesus, Show me that uncomfortable thing that you want me to do. And then make the commitment right where you stand to follow through. Because when Jesus messes with you, it's always so he can take you to the next level. And maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've been coming, maybe this is your first time, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks or off and on sporadically and you know that today, Today's the day you need Jesus in your life because he's the, he's the source of anything and everything that is good about my life and about any Christian that you know. If you're here today and you want to pray to receive Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat it. I'm going to ask you to say it right where you stand, out loud. We pray it every week at Second Chance out loud, but not alone because our whole Second Chance family, we're going to pray it out loud with you so that you will know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by every person in this room. So Second Chance Fam, let's pray it out loud. 
And if you, you know you need to pray to receive Christ today, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. I declare you as Lord. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just pray to receive Christ, if you just ask Christ to come into your life, do me a favor right now and hold your hand straight up in the air. Just raise it up, like just raise it up really high so I can see it. Amen. 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 Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Because I want to pray for you. I want to. I want to see who you are and I want to pray for you. I want to see every single hand and I want to pray for you. God, I want to thank you for these people, these precious, precious people, with their hands raised. God, that just pray to receive you. I pray that today, as they walk out of this place, they would walk out with filled with hope and filled with life and filled with courage and. Jesus, I want to pray for all of us today in this room. God, that you would mess with us, that you would mess with us this week, that you would help us to take that uncomfortable step, knowing, Jesus, that we don't have the strength to take that step by ourselves, but with you working in and through us, nothing is impossible. You made a virgin have a baby, and you made a dead man come back to life. Thank you, Jesus, that nothing is impossible for you and nothing is impossible for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. Did you have fun at church today? Y'all have a great week, and we'll see y'all for Christmas services.